but God still can do it. And then later on, when you find out what it was, you're like, yeah, that's what I that's that's what I had. And then you got a, you got a terminology now that you can assign to that experience. How many know that's very important? That you be able to experience something and then be able to have a word or some words or some terminology to help you define it to other people so you can encourage them. Amen. At that time, I didn't even know what a vision was. I didn't have any idea what it was. But what literally happened to me is there was a, a singer that was singing a solo song during worship, uh, excuse me, during offering time. And uh, she sung a song called The Midnight Cry. And I had never heard that song. I'm newly saved. I don't even really know. All I know is that Jesus is wrecking my world. How many know that, that feeling? Amen? And I'm just loving every minute of it. And so Jesus is wrecking my world. And all of a sudden this lady gets up to sing during an offering. And she's singing The Midnight Cry, which is actually a song about Jesus' return. And I'm just like so touched. Everybody's putting their you know money in the offering plate. <laughs> And look, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't realize there's a protocol. You don't do this. You can't do this during this time. You do. I just was like, I'm Holy Ghost, man. Whatever he says, do. Let's do it. And right in the middle of her singing her song, man, I stood up and I just lifted up my hands because it was just going through. How many's ever felt that when the song just goes through you? Don't. So-so. Amen. Suddenly obey God and he'll give you a spiritual opportunity. Amen. Anytime that the Lord is doing that, amen, within respect to the preacher and everything that's going on. But as God was touching me, I stood up and I lifted up my hands and I, and I was just worshiping Lord, the Lord silently as she sang the song and joined the anointing. And with my eyes closed, I'm telling you what I saw. I saw a, a, a string that was on a spool. And it was this brilliant, brilliant white string. And as I was watching that, Spool. It only had a couple of wraps left of the string left on it, and it was straight. It was just stretching out. I was just looking at it, and as I was following the string during the song, I looked, and as it came, as the visual was moving on, the string just was leading me on this journey, and I couldn't get my eyes off the string. And finally, the string came down, and it was at the bottom of a bridal dress. And God told me there's only a few strands left on the spool of the bride's dress because she's about to get married. I mean, you feel that right now. I mean, this has happened years and years ago. You can still feel the same supernatural anointing that I felt that day. Amen? And from that point in time, I realized how important the rapture is and how important it is to get the bride ready. That just became a burning desire in my heart. Get as many people in the body of Christ to get them ready for God's return. Amen? And that was the only vision I had for several years. And it wasn't until two years ago that I really started having visions again. And now I'm, I'm having multiple visions. But what the Lord has used me in is interpreting dreams for several years. I have interpreted several dreams from people, but I didn't really have a lot of dreams. All of a sudden... I would say about three years ago, Pastor Joe is going to get, he's going to get really excited in just a second because I'm going to say something. About three years ago, I, I started going to India about four years ago, but one time, once I started going to India, stuff started happening to me, man. Unlock, you know, when you go somewhere you've never gone before and meet God in a different way, every time you do that, it got, it's like another layer of the Holy Ghost comes out of you, amen? 
And I believe that God had reserved this for my life. Anyway, to get to the point of it, I started having dreams that were unbelievable dreams. And just what I mean by that is I was having dreams of just things that didn't make any sense to me at the time. But then six months later, three months later, a year later, I would be somewhere. And the same thing that I saw in my dream would happen, really happen. And I'll tell you the first time it happened to me. It happened to me in India. My wife is sitting in the back seat. I was being driven up into the mountains in a place called Munar. And we were trying to find a place to stay for the night. And in my dream, literally all this took place. In my dream, I could smell the dusty streets. Uh, in my dream, I could feel the hot breeze coming through the window of the car that I was sitting in. I didn't recognize the person sitting next to me. Then a man came with a batch of strawberries and stuck them in the car. And I woke up from my dream. Literally six months later, I was in India, the same thing happened. And when that happened, I, my jaw was dropped. And my wife looked at me, and, the, and the, my buddy in the back seat looked at me and said, What's going on? What's wrong? I had never had that happen in my life. And that, from that day forward, God began to use dreams to get me to the right place at the right time. When sometimes I felt like I was out of place, that I wasn't supposed to be there, and I was having a little doubt, these dreams that I had would come back to me. Something would happen. I've done this. I've been here already before. It's happening more and more frequently. And I began to talk about that. God gave me a, a, a time where I, I had an opportunity at, uh, a couple years ago to the University of Texas at Arlington. And uh, I was speaking to the college-age students, the college students there. And um, believe it or not, I was in the Baptist student mission. <laughs> All Holy Ghost, amen. And uh, I mean, I just, look, God was touching people in that place. And I stood up and I began to share about the last day's outpouring on dreams and visions. Amen. Everybody knows about that. If you don't, you can just read Acts chapter 2, Joel chapter 2. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, dreams and visions on, your, you know, on, on all the people. Amen. And so I began to share about the dreams and how God was beginning to use the dreams. In that meeting, there was a young man who was a former Buddhist that got saved in a camp that I did. And God set him free, radically set him free. He came that day, and he's going to that college. And he came up after the message, and he said, You know what? I was just going to go on, but I really want you to pray for me that God would use me in this gift of dreams. I feel like this is what God wants me to do. I said, You know what? I don't have any authority to give you this gift, but the Holy Ghost gives you the gift, and I'll agree with you. If you feel the leading of the Lord, and I, I agree with the Lord, what He wants to do in your life, we'll pray for you and believe God's going to begin to use you supernaturally through dreams. So, we pray for the guy, and the next day, I get a call on my cell phone from this guy the next evening. He tells me, you're, you're not going to believe what happened to me. He said, when I went home, I went to sleep, and in my dream, there's a girl, a Hindu girl, who I've been witnessing to. She's studying to be a doctor, and uh, I haven't really been able to break through with the gospel. She'll listen, but then she really doesn't care. But I had a dream that she got a ticket for parking in the wrong spot. When I got up in the morning, I asked God, what should I do? And he told me to call her and warn her. So I called her on the phone and I said, this girl, her name is Tristy. Tristy, you're going to get a ticket today. I, well, I just want you to think I'm crazy, but I had a dream last night that you are going to get a ticket. You know what this girl did? She laughed him off the phone. 
and told them there's no way I can get a ticket because where I park, there's no it's free parking. There's no there's no um, there's no possibility for me to get a ticket. She said you've been eating too much pizza in the night or something. I don't know what's wrong with you. She hung up the phone. Two o'clock that afternoon, she he gets a call back from her saying you're not gonna believe this, but I just got a ticket for parking in the wrong place. And he says hold on. Was it a yellow ticket? She said, yeah, how did you know? She said, that was a ticket in my dream. She thought that he went out there and put a ticket on her car. But let me tell you something. When, he, when, when she found out that it was a valid ticket, something happened to this girl. And God began to work in her life. And let me tell you, this is not an average girl. Her parents are the keepers of a Hindu temple, the major Hindu temple in Dallas. You want to know something about this one dream? This girl has radically been saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And when her parents tried to bring her on her birthday to get a Hindu blessing, she had not told her parents at this point that she was a Christian. On that day, they tried to bring her to the Hindu temple. She was so grieved in the Holy Spirit, she broke down in tears and began to share with them. She confessed everything. I'm a Christian. I've devoted my life to God. I, 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 I cannot lie anymore. I, I, I don't believe in this. This is not real. What's real is Jesus Christ has saved me. And you know what has happened? Her parents are now open to the gospel. Her parents had said, okay, if that's your choice, then we're going to let you choose to do that. And they are actually listening. They're having, she's there in their home talking in tongues. Come on, somebody. How many know the atmosphere in that home is changing? Amen? Why am I saying that? I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you in these visions, you saw people. Some of you in the dreams that you're going to have, you're going to see places that you've never been before. And it's going to happen upon you. You're going to be sitting down doing what you were doing in your dream. Just let it happen like it happened in the dream. Amen? And just let it be a confirmation to you that God is pouring out His Spirit through you. And what can He do through one dream in a city in Dallas? He'll do here in Chicago and throughout the othermost parts of the earth. Can you say amen this morning? Can you say amen this morning? Quickly turn your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I am aware of the time this morning. It's okay. We're on time. Verse 13. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 13. Better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king. Better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who will be admonished no more. For he comes out of prison to be king. Although he was born poor in his kingdom, I saw all the living who walk under the sun. 
They were with the second youth who stands in his place. There was no end of all the people over whom he was made king. Yet those who come afterward will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Verse, excuse me, chapter 8. Verse 2. I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly. Let me, let me just go back, this, uh, go back through this verse by verse. I'm reading from the New King James. If yours is a little differently, let me just assure you this morning, and you can do this study on your own. I went back to the Hebrew, and the most accurate translation for this passage is here, what I've just read. Okay? Let me just explain to you what we're going to do this morning. We're going to, we're going to get some principal foundations for our life. Amen? For when God is ministering to us, we're going to allow the God that we serve to be king of our lives. Can you say amen? amen. And not only that, is God the king of our lives, but God has called us to be kings and priests unto Him and His God. Amen? You are a royal priesthood. Someone say Amen. You are a royal priesthood. Royalty means that you have a lineage of kings in your bloodline. Come on, somebody. And so, verse 2 of chapter 8 says, Keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Verse 3, Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not leave his presence quickly. Let me speak to you on that for just a minute this morning. I think it's very important this morning that you should understand and you should lie this principle down to the deepest foundation of your core of Christianity. And that is this, that you are not quick to leave the presence of God, especially when He's dealing with you. We as a generation with a microwave mentality, we as a generation that seeks things at the snap of our finger, at the push of a button, we have a, we have a real problem waiting. We have a real problem taking our time and waiting. We want everything hurried up. We want everything changed in, in the instant that we ask for. If God gives you everything that you ask for in the instant that you ask for it, you will not be a child of God. You will be a brat of God. And the walls said, Amen. Let me, just tell, let me tell you, people sometimes get what they want and not what they need from God. You don't have to believe me. I know it's true because I'm going I'm to testify. Amen? I have gotten what I wanted and it wasn't what I needed. And But because my constant irking and jerking and crying to God for what I wanted... God gave me what I, what I wanted rather than what I needed to see what I wanted was not what I needed. Do you understand that? That's not a tongue twister. I'm giving you understanding this morning. Go back to the children of Israel who we tried to wean off the flesh 
the leeks, the cucumbers, the onions, the garlics of Egypt. He brought them into a place where he wanted them to fast. Come on, somebody. He wanted to get the taste of the world, prophetically speaking, out of their mouths. He wanted to get the taste of Egypt out of their system. Come on. Because where he was calling them to, if they continued to desire the taste of the old land, they would have never embraced what God had in the new land. There in the desert, God supernaturally provided for them manna. Everybody say manna. Manna was a supernatural bread of heaven that came down in the morning. It covered the earth. They didn't have to do anything for it. It was provided for them supernaturally. They never had manna in Egypt. But God manifested manna every day for, their, for the children of Israel for their provision. They came to a point where they had been eating manna too much in their minds. But God knew that manna was actually working out all of the old Egypt out of their system. And manna was giving them strength for the journey that lied ahead. How many know that the angel of the Lord came down and cooked some manna pancakes for Elijah and kept him busy for 40 days? Come on, somebody. And so this manna wasn't what they wanted. And the Bible said they began to cry out. And what did they want? They cried out for meat. I want some meat. I mean, I'm going to tell you, don't preach like that. I'm give you some meat, man. I want to get into the deep principles of God. <laughs> but they can't do the simple principles of God in their life. <laughs> and so they began to cry out for meat. They began to cry out for some KFC, some, 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 some Kentucky Fried Chicken. Come on, somebody, play with me for a minute, all right? And they began to say, we need something to eat, we need something to eat. And God got so tired, the Bible says, they, they wearied him with their cry. And God gave them quail. He gave them so much quail that they were eating so much of it, they weren't able to restrain themselves. The Bible said that they ate so much quail that it came out of their nostrils. You know what that is? That's when you eat too much and you begin to puke in your mouth and it goes out your nose. That's what the Bible said. I'm not making it up. Why? People died after they, uh, after they, because out of the judgment of God. But what was it? God gave them what they wanted to show them it was not what they needed. Amen? Amen. And there's sometimes in life where you think what you want is what you need, and it's really not what you need. And let me tell you what you need. You need to be in the presence of the king, and you need to wait in the presence of the king. Because sometimes we go before God in our prayer time, in our time of worship, with our own agenda of what we want God to do in our lives. And we come with our set of blueprints. We come with a, God, this is what I need you to do for me. Uh, Santa Claus, I mean, God, will you listen to me for this morning? And, and, and listen, God, i got my to-do list for you today, and I'm going to check in with you later and see how many of these things you've gotten done for me. And, you know, I'm telling the truth on myself this morning. There are times when I think God is at my beck and call, and really I am His servant. And I have to check myself before I wreck myself and get myself back into the presence of the King. The Bible says, do not be hasty. Everybody say hasty. Hasty is that all kind of like an old King James word that means to don't be rushing off quickly. See, what would happen is in the old time, the king had a throne room and people would come and they would stand on the outskirts and 
the people would come to the king and say, okay, this guy is here from such and such a place. And if the king decided that he wanted to hear from that person or hear the dispute or hear whatever it was that was going on, he had a golden scepter, he stretched it out, and when he stretched it out, they could approach his throne. And when they approached his throne, they came and the king decided whatever he wanted to do. He could say to the guy uh, next to him, he said, listen, give me, um, give me two coins and we're going to flip for this thing right here. The king could do whatever he wanted to do. Why? Because he's the top of the line. Ain't nobody higher than him. Whatever he says, what? Goes. Amen? You could have a family member in jail and I don't care what they have done. If the king decrees, hello? If the, king, if the king says that person has to get set free out of the dungeon, there ain't no choice. They've got to go down and unlock the, unlock the jail and let them out. Come on, somebody who's been praying for somebody who's been bound in sin in the dungeon of hell. But you're standing before a king this morning. You're presenting yourself and God is granting you a favor. He's stretching out the golden scepter and saying, come on. Ask me so I can decree the thing I put upon your heart. See, what happened was people would get so caught up in their requests, they would be so hasty to go into the presence of the king, they didn't stick around there. And you know what? If they had found favor with the king, he might have just looked on them with such favor. He said, you know what? I like you. I like you. You know what I want to do for you? I want to bring a blessing into your life. I want to give you some land. I want, you know what? I like, the way that you, I like the way that you think. I want to make you over all of my, my stallions. I like the way that you, I like the, you know what, I want you, to, I want you to sit and I want you to talk to my board of advisors. And I, want to, I want to hear from you. I want, I want them to hear from you. But see, people in the old times, they would be so scared of the king coming into his presence, they wouldn't wait there, they'd rush off. Do not be hasty to go from the presence of the king means this to you and I today. Don't be in a hurry for God to deal with you. Let him deal with you in his timing. And if he's still dealing with you up to two hours later, stay where you are. I don't care if they pack up everything in the place. You keep letting God deal with you. Amen? Everybody can be out in the gym playing b-ball, but God is still dealing with you. Because if you are, let me just tell you, you don't get the presence of the king often. You don't get to come in the presence of the king. The king don't come out where you are normally. Come on. In the old time, the king wasn't running around the land just saying, oh, let me see these poor folks over here. Let me see what they're doing. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, you guys need a donkey? I'll get you a donkey. But if they found favor and they were able to come into the king's court, which you and I, by the blood of the Lamb, has found favor with God, then we can come and present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We can come before Him and know we don't have to get out of there. We can hang around the throne room if God asks us to. We can stand there and listen to the decrees of God that He's speaking over our lives. Can you say Amen. Where the word of the king is, there is power. Verse 4. That is the decree of the king. That is the law of the king. When the law of the king is spoken, when God speaks a word, his word will not return unto him void, the Bible says. What does that mean? That it goes out and it prospers in the thing that I sent it to do. God stands at the back of his word and he watches over it to see that it does what it called it to do. Amen? And when God sends a word out, it is up to us to receive the word, amen, and then allow that word to be fulfilled through our obedience. Say amen. amen. I'm telling you right now, you know, there is a rule uh, 
that we talked about last night, a principle, the so-so principle. Is that right? Remember that? But there is also a tradition, in fact, this morning, about six hours ago, Jews all over Israel were waking up. And those that were that have uh, decided to really follow Judaism to the core have gone to the Western Wall in Jerusalem that live in that area. And they've gone and they prayed a prayer called the Shema. That's the Hebrew word. Everybody say Shema. Shema. Come on, holler like a Hebrew scholar. Say Shema. Shema. Shema is the word for hear. It comes out of Deuteronomy 6 and 4. They literally pray this prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. I will, I will serve the Lord with all of my mind, heart, soul, and strength. And they stand there with their prayer show on, bowing before the wall, praying this prayer, and devoting their lives to God. They put it on their mesusa. It's a little box that was outside of their houses. This prayer is in there, bro, that every time they kiss this box when they go into the house, and they kiss this box when they leave a home. Because the word Shema is so important to the Jew. When Jesus was alive, he prayed the Shema. Jesus is still alive when he walked the earth, I should say. Thank you for clarifying, Holy Ghost. I'm about to wreck it, boy. Shema. Say Shema. Shema, hear. H-E-A-R. That's what the word Shema means in our language, hear. But see, you and I means hear means like, I hear you. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. But that don't necessarily mean you're going to do what I just said. Hello. And all my parents said Amen. He said, hey, But the Shema literally means, if it's interpreted in our English, would mean to listen and to obey. Meaning, listen, receive some instructions, and then go from that place and go and carry them out. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. When I said the Shema, I was telling my spirit, when I kissed the mezuzah, when I walked in the earth, I was telling myself that God knows a little bit better than I know of what's going to happen in my life today. So I say Shema. I say where the word of the king is, there is power. Where the direction, where the instruction of the king is, where the law has been decreed, there is power. So the Shema is enacted upon our lives when we listen and we obey God. When we go to the place where we say, okay, Lord, I'm not only going to hear you, I hear you, Lord. I'm going to listen. I'm going to wait for the instructions. And then I'm going to go out and carry out what you just told me to do. This is what brings growth to the church. This is what prepares the bride for the return of Jesus Christ. This is what gets us to the 100,000 plus. This is what gets us to the 500 plus churches. This is what gets us to the worldwide revival. When we take the time to listen. See, some of you just want a Holy Ghost. and I, I, I'm down with Holy Ghost. But Holy Ghost isn't enough. Holy Ghost is a part of the place to get you sensitive. So now where you were, when we were laying here on the floor, God was showing you vision. God was getting ready, but God is getting ready to give you dreams. Some of you are going to lay down when you go home today. And when you lay down tonight, you're going to have dreams. Because Shema. Because you're listening. 
you have your spirit tuned in to say, okay, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. Last night was setting you up. The so-so principle, sudden opportunities bring that spiritual opportunity. Sudden, see, my brother Joe, you messed me up now. Sudden obedience brings spiritual opportunity. Amen? So with that Shema is going on in your life. Now here's where this is where I want to this is where I want to kind of bring the bring it to the bring the bread to the butter. Is that all right? Proverbs 25. Say Shema. I don't say Yoma. Say Shema. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 2. What you going to do when the Holy Ghost gets loose on you? It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Can you hear me now? You got minutes on your cell phone? Come on, is your cell phone charged up? Listen, God is talking to you right now. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter or the matter. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth. So the heart of kings is unsearchable. That is not insearchable. It's unsearchable. Doesn't mean that you you cannot search it. Amen? It just means that you can't find the end of it. Come on, somebody. You and I are called to be priests and kings unto God. I said that in the beginning. Am I right? We were talking about where the word of the what? King is. There is what? Power. Then we come over here and God says, glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Okay? Now here's what we do. We bring God glory when we begin to search the deepest mysteries of God that He's deposited on the inside of us through the glory. It is the glory of God to conceal matter. Let's think about the glory. Everybody think about the glory with me right now. How was the glory manifested in the Old Testament? In two ways mainly. Number one, in the pillar of fire by night that uh, shined the light. Come on somebody. And in the nighttime, how many remember when the children of Israel walked in the desert that God gave them a supernatural sign that He was with them always? Come on somebody. And what happened was at nighttime they had a pillar of fire over top of them. Can you imagine that you, you, know, you see the stars and the moon and everything but can you imagine when you went outside, you knew God was with you because you had a fire in the sky? Come on, like NASA space shuttle standing over top of you? I'm telling you, that was like a turbo boost burner, you know? That's what it was. It was a pillar of fire. That's what the Bible says. Amen? And so we see that it's revealed, the glory is revealed as a light. Jesus makes his dwelling in an unapproachable light, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.16. He has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, somebody, that's his glory. You are partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. That's Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. God is saying that glory is revealed in the light or the fire and the pillar of God. But the second way, and the most important way that I want to speak about this morning is the way that God revealed His glory through the cloud. Come on, someone say the cloud. The glory cloud. 
Come on, girls. Say, say, say it in this microphone. The glory cloud. Woo! The glory cloud. Amen. Lily, I just like the way you said that. The anointing, the glory of God to conceal a matter, we're going to symbolize in the cloud this morning. Can you say amen? amen? What am I talking about? I'm talking about that in the olden time, when they were walking through the desert, the cloud of God's glory hung over them. Amen? It, it, it took the sun. It provided a canopy. It provided a shade, as the Bible says, for them as they walked through a hot wilderness. When you walk through the, 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 the burning heat of this world and the trials and the temptations of this life, you have a canopy. You have a shield when you are walking under the glory cloud. Come on, somebody. And that cloud led them in the wilderness. And whenever it stopped, they stopped. When it moved on, they moved on. And when they stopped, when the cloud stopped, they set up shop. They opened up their tents. But before they opened up their tents, they set up what was called the tabernacle. Everybody say the tabernacle. The tabernacle had all this beautiful stuff in it. It was where they sacrificed to God. And then they had this holy place. And they had the holy of holies. And in that holy of holies was the Ark of the Covenant. Someone say the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was also called the Ark of His Presence. Someone say His Presence. See, what it symbolizes is that the presence of God would come there and they had a little seat on it called the Mercy Seat. And it was like a throne. What literally happened, my friend uh, is, is, is a, um, his family is Jewish. They have been saved, now they're Messianic Jews. He went and spent time in Hebrew University. He's a great friend of mine. And... Uh, I talked to him about the whole glory cloud and everything, and he said it's studying in Israel as talking to the rabbis. This is what they talked about, that there was something that happened when the cloud came down. Supernaturally, the glory cloud would come down when they set up the Ark of the Covenant in the holy place, and this cloud would come down and it would come upon the tabernacle of meeting or the, the, or the holy of holies. And they, the, the rabbis teach that the fear of God would strike the camp because of what they saw and because of what they heard in that cloud. You see, the cloud, as it come down, they couldn't see through the cloud, but they could hear things going on in the cloud. And what they heard, they heard the sound of a multitude of wings flapping, is what they said. Can you imagine as the cloud's coming down, you can't see through the cloud, but you can hear some, there's something in there. Somebody is in there. There's somebody. The angels' wings were flapping as God would come down and descend in the cloud. Not only that, but they said that when the cloud fully descended and it came upon the tent, that you couldn't even see the tent any longer, but what you could hear was put terror in the hearts of the children of Israel. It was called the breath of the holies. And literally what took place was that the tent, you could hear it ruffle as it expanded and as it contracted through the breath of God. And let me tell you something. When that glory cloud came down, ain't nobody went around and doing no sin. Hello, somebody. When the glory cloud comes down in your life, I'm telling you, you get, the fear of God gets so deep inside your life. It, he begins to say, okay, we're going to take this out. And you say, yes, Lord. Amen. And it's more than just what you did at an altar saying yes, Lord. It's like it touched you so deep that when you walk up out of this thing, when you go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're looking not to get involved in that kind of stuff anymore. Come on, somebody. 
When that breath of the holies came down and when you couldn't see through the clouds, so the glory concealed the presence of God. It concealed, there was something on the inside of the cloud that people couldn't tell what was in there, but they knew something was going on in there. Amen? It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of cloud, of, excuse me, it is the glory of kings to search out a matter. What that means is, what I would like it to mean this morning, spiritually, I want it to represent your life when you ask the presence of God to come into your life, it conceals you. Amen? Yeah. It's like a Holy Ghost smoke screen. Can you say amen? amen? A Holy Ghost smoke screen, what it does is it allows God to do His work in your life without any interference of the devil. Without the interference of other people. Amen? That's why we say, don't be hasty to go from the presence of the king. Don't allow the cloud to be lifted from you when it's upon you. If the cloud lifts up off of you, get up and go about your life. But when the cloud, woo, when the cloud comes down upon you, don't get up out that cloud until God is done helping you search out and find out what the matters are for your life. I'm going to talk to you about something. You know, there was a man by the name of, no, I ain't going to say his name. And he wrote a book, but I'm not going to say the book, but y'all know it because it's the second best-selling book in the world. And it's second to the Bible. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. I didn't say it. Yes, I did. And okay, what happened was they wrote this book and everybody run around going, I'm a purpose driven life. I'm going to drive my life by my purpose. But I want to submit to you this morning that God has something greater than that. And I want to entitle it this morning. It is called The Purpose Hidden Life. The purpose hidden life. You and I are living a purpose hidden life. Let me tell you something. The devil is dumb. The devil is so dumb. See, we are operating under such lies and deceit of the devil. You think the devil knows your every thought. He's a liar. You think the devil even knows your destiny. He don't have a clue. When the glory comes upon your life, he can't even see beyond the cloud. God is holy, and God conceals the matters about your life inside of you. And it is the glory of a king to search out the matter. The purpose for your life is hidden on the inside of you. That's why it takes God's glory. It takes his anointing. It takes a word from God, a word from the king to get you to begin to search. He says, Sherlock Holmes, it's time to get a clue and start looking around in your life. Why did you go through what you went through? Why did you do what you did? Why did you face what you faced? Why did you have to see that kind of tragedy? Why did you have to be rejected from the womb? Why did you have to be protected from going into the tomb? Because the purpose Hidden life is upon you. Y'all ain't trying to help me preach, but why Tyler on his shirt trying to come out of here this morning? I know you're tired. Someone slap their neighbor on the, on the back of the neck and say, Amen. The purpose hidden life. Satan is not all knowing, only God is all knowing. And he is trying to be like God, and he tries to put this thing on you like he knows what you're up to. He don't know what you're up to. You don't even know what you're up to because the purpose is hidden from you. That's why God don't spell it out for you. He says, this is the search. This is, come on, man. This is a discovery. Come on, I'll tell you, there are treasure hunting anointings in the body of Christ opening up this morning. And some people, see, they don't got time for treasure hunting. They got another skill for digging. It's called archaeology. You know what archaeologists do? They dig up dead things. And people that get off focus and get off purpose, they begin to dig up dead things. 
things that they put in the, uh, in the grave. The old man. And they take the empowerment of God and the talents of God and they begin to dig up the old thing. They take up the favor of God and they begin to dig up the old man. They begin to dig up old arguments of something that they laid to rest at the foot of the cross and then now they were forgiven the person. Now they've got it back on them again. Are you a treasure hunter or are you an archaeologist this morning? I'm a, I'm a treasure hunter, amen? Because there is a purpose hidden from me that not even the devil knows. You don't think I'm telling the truth? I'm going to tell you something. Jesus came to the earth and the devil didn't know why he was here. He didn't know who he was. He came and looked, a cloud surrounded him. He, listen, when the angels left heaven to announce the birth of Jesus, I'm telling you what, they knocked with the elbows to the side of the head of some of them demons on the way down. And them demons go, where are they all going? We didn't get this news flash. Come on, y'all. Let's follow them. But they were restrained in the heavenlies while the angels announced the birth of Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. They were restrained because the clouds surrounded Jesus. And he announced it to the shepherds. Hallelujah. When he came to the temple at age 12, the demons didn't know what was going on. I'm sure they were assigned to destroy Jesus. I'm sure they realized he might be like that other dude, John the Baptist, but he's kind of crazy. We don't know which ones we're supposed to get first, him or him. Who is it? What are they doing here? The first prophecy about Jesus is called the Proto-Evangelium. It comes all the way back to the first fall of man. And what happened was God pronounced a curse, but God pronounced the deliverance in the prophecy about bruising the heel and crushing the head. Satan always knew that God was going to send somebody to crush his head. He just didn't know who it was. In fact, he was so sure that the proto-evangelium or the prophecy of God was fulfilled, he tried to destroy Cain. Because Adam and Eve believed that Cain was the answer for the crushing of the hill. They thought they were going to get back in the garden after Cain delivered them. They built Cain up his whole life. Why do you think Cain became so jealous? Because God told Cain, listen, sin is crouching at your door and it's desires to rule over you, but go and, go and repent. And get it right and you'll be free from this thing. But Satan just kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on. And he wore down Cain and Cain murders his brother. But guess what? Satan finds out that that wasn't what God meant. So he keeps going on throughout time. And he's searching for who's the deliverer that's going to deliver this crushing blow to my head. I've got to stop him. I've got to get him to fall. I've got to get him to fail. He finds out there's a Moses. Moses coming because Abraham prophesies. Or excuse me, uh, a dream comes to Abraham. God prophesies to Abraham, 400 years you'll be in bondage, but then I'm going to send a deliverer and set your people, your family free. And they're going to inherit the land. So around 400 years, what does the devil do? He inspires the heart of Pharaoh to begin to destroy all the baby boys. They're gonna, one of them are going to deliver. we got to kill them, man. But Moses... He gets on out of there, doesn't he? Because the cloud of glory was on that little raft that he was floating on. The purpose hidden life. And so God raises him up. And, 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 and Moses makes a mistake, but God is still able to use his life. But he finds out it wasn't Moses. 
So it keeps going on and on. So here we got Jesus, okay? Now walk with me for a minute. I know this isn't in the Bible, but let's just pretend this is a scenario. Okay? The demons, based upon the scripture, did not know who Jesus was. The Bible said uh, that had they known, they would have never crucified the Prince of Glory. Jesus is on the scene at 30 years old, starts his ministry, and things start blowing up. Somebody, come on, say amen. amen. And when they start blowing up, the devil's starting to worry now. He's like, man, come on, we got to tempt this dude. we got to do something here. Then he goes to his chief demons and he says, hey, man, what's going on? Hey, have you ever gotten this guy to make a mistake? No, man, he ain't never sinned yet. Well, we, well, we need to try the lust factor on him. We tried that, but he keeps his eyes down and keeps his eyes to the sky and saying, I must be about my father's business. Well, did he ever get him to steal anything? No, we ain't got him to steal anything, but we got that dummy Judas to put his hand in the bag. Well, have you ever got him to tell a lie? No. He ain't never told a lie. In fact, he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And he, I, wait a minute, wait a minute. Have we done anything to him to, to, to get him to do anything wrong? I mean, can we get him to fall? Can we get him to, can, can we try to push him over a cliff? Can we kill him any way that we can? Every time we do, we get beat up by these other angels that keep coming in and rescuing him. The purpose hit life. The purpose was hidden from the devil. The devil did not know. He is not all-knowing. He don't know what you're up to. The devil keeps saying, why? I keep knocking them down. But they keep getting back up. Why is it every time I put some bondage in life, they fall, but still God keeps coming back loving them and delivering them? Why is it that they can't let go of God? I've, I've destroyed them. I've, I've, they've lost their job. They've lost their family. They've lost everything that they have. Because the purpose in life is operating on the inside of you. God is helping you to discover who you are, who he's called you to be. Satan is not all-knowing. Your purpose is hidden from your enemy, and it's your responsibility to search it out. The responsibility of a king and a priest is to search out the matter. Search out what God has called you to be. To get to the glory and say, Lord, I have to open up my life. God, what I, whatever's not of you, take it out. But God, whatever hidden treasure, whatever wisdom, God, whatever things from the ages of time and eternity that you prophesied about my life. Listen, I was telling Pastor Joe, this blows my mind. Before I was even ever born, there was a man in India calling out to God for my life. I believe that this man supernaturally kept me from being an abortion, brother. I made him 35 years after he had been promised by God that he would send a young missionary from America. 35 years a guy held on to a promise and prayed for me. When I was in my sin, when I was at enmity with God, when I was at war against God, still God raised up people because he loved me and he knew my purpose. And he had a man on the other side of India and them demons didn't know who, who, who I was. He didn't even know who I was. But somewhere in the glory, every time he went to pray, God would say, there's a young man coming, hang in there. And while his other buddies were getting promoted in ministry, they were going on and seeing all kind of great things. He stayed humble, and God kept him on assignment, praying for our for our uh, for my my revealing to the ministry that they have there in India. By God's glory, we have been working in India, and we have seen great and mighty things. This man has gone on to be with the Lord. He literally died on his knees in prayer last year, uh, March third last year. He didn't get to see the first church that we built, but we just dedicated a church in December of last year. See, the purpose in life is this. You don't know what you're up to, but God does. 
And the closer you get to God, the more He reveals to you about your purpose. God will reveal. Salvador, I believe what I spoke over your life this morning is, 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 is part of your purpose. Discerning the chains in people's lives. It's a gift from the Lord. Several of you, when you spend time in the presence of God, every time you spend time in the presence of God, do not be hasty. Let Him search out with you the matter. Deep calleth unto deep. Spirit calleth unto spirit. The Bible says that the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord that searches the inward parts of the belly or the inner depths of the person. God has given you a spirit inside of you to search inside of you. What are you searching for? You're searching for anything the enemy's put in you to pollute you so that God can take it out. So that you can let it go. What are you searching for? You're searching for anything that God has put inside of you to help bring you to your purpose. To help other people come into the kingdom. To help this thing grow. This morning, I want you to understand that you have got to begin to live the purpose-hidden life. Where you let the glory cloud come down upon you. And not only is it for you to conceal it and to help you search it out, but it's also to conceal it from the devil. And I'm going to end it like this. There was a man, his name is uh, uh, Lieutenant Thomas Norris, he won the Medal of Honor in Vietnam. He was a Navy SEAL, and there were two men, or excuse me, there was a pilot that was shot down, and he got the radio call. He took a, took a team of SEALs in the middle of the night through the enemy territory, looking for this plane that had been shot down to rescue one person that was still alive. They searched all night, and at the end of the night, they had to come back. And when they came back, they had found it. Lieutenant Thomas Norris dismissed his men, and he said, "You know what? I cannot leave this man. We got to find this. This is this is one of our people. It's one of our soldiers." He gets the next team of seals, and he talks them, and they weren't even all of them weren't even uh, the army, the U.S. Army. He gets them to talk to him and say, let's go out. The ones go to bed, but he stays up. He searches again the whole day, and he goes back to some spots that he went, and he goes to new places. He doesn't find the man. Finally, he comes and brings those men back, and he dresses up like a fisherman. And gets his little boat, and he goes down. And he is going past the enemy's boats, and they don't even know it. And finally, he locates the man puts him in the boat, and puts all kind of brush on top of him. And there's something called the FOB, a forward observation base. And as he's coming back with this man who he has rescued, but he hadn't gotten back to the base yet, who's injured, he comes to a point where he passes an enemy, a ship, and they recognize that he is not a fisherman, but he is a soldier. And they begin to fire at him. And he... He is not, he doesn't have a motor, he just, all he has is his paddle, and he's going back, and he's pushing, he's trying to make it out, and they are firing at him. Enemy fires, miss on a miss, artillery shells, and bullets are flying at this dude. What does he do? He has a smoke grenade. And he opens up his smoke grenade, and he also calls in and to the Air Force, and they drop a smoke bomb. To the point where it gets so smoky in there that he goes into the smoke cloud and they are shooting but they're not hitting him because they don't know where he is going. They can't see beyond the cloud. And he rescues this man and gets the Medal of Honor. 
I said all that to say that, you know what, there is a story in the natural. Now let me tell you in the supernatural. God is calling you to go into the enemy's territory and rescue the backslider. One that has been shot down by the enemy. And God is going to give you an opportunity to get past the enemy, grab a hold of these guys, bring them back, and listen, God will give you the prayer of the prayer to release a smoke grenade so they can't see you. And if that don't work, you can call down from the heavens. Some of you need to begin to call down from the heavens that a Holy Ghost smoke screen will encircle those people, your buddies and your friends and your brothers and your sisters and your family, that you'll be able to get in there and rescue them and bring them to the safest place where they can be turned into a Christian. Amen? Hidden from the devil, that you can go and bring them to safety. That's what God, which what God wants the glory to do in our lives. When we call down the glory, when we walk up to the person in school, we're at the locker, the glory's around us. Nobody's even talking to us because we can, we're in a cloud. And that person's got your undivided attention because what you're saying is making life come to life inside of them. And you're at the, the lunch table or you're in the office and you're, or on the phone and all of a sudden the glory cloud. And you sense the presence of God. Don't be hasty to lift from that place. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I've administered this word to you, your people this morning, Lord God. And I pray, God, that the purpose hidden life, the purpose hidden life would be found in this place this morning, God, that literally the glory of God that conceals the matter would come down upon our lives, God, as we begin to pray, as we begin to seek your face, as we begin to look for you, Lord God, as we begin to search you, God, search out the matters, God. We realize Satan doesn't know everything. We realize that Satan has a limitation. He can't get past the smoke screen. He can't get past the glory. He don't know what's going on in the glory. And God, when we get in the glory, God, you can speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. We repeat, God, and we live the words of Samuel. Speak, Lord. For your servant listens. We speak, Lord, for your servant Shabbos. We listen and we obey you.
eyes closed and your ears wide open to the Lord. I want you to just remember, as Pastor Joe instructed us last night, the three people that we called out at that baptismal tank. Your eyes closed, your ears wide open. I want you to listen to the Lord. Listen and, and, and see if God would give you any information about any of those people that could help you pray better, share the gospel in a deeper way. God may be telling you what they're wrestling with that you need to be sensitive about. can be so specific this morning that he can give you a plan to rescue that person this morning. I want you just to take this, you know, we're just going to let the quietness of the Lord speak to us this morning in the stillness. The Bible says you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. I'm going to allow the Lord to speak to you this morning and give you some specific instructions on how you can bring that person from behind the enemy's lines, from, from the place of that wound that they took. Father, I ask you to rebuke the torment of the devil. Father, I believe that the enemy has tormented people in here and condemned people in here, God, over people who have not given their lives to you yet. People that they love, people that they want to see saved, Lord God. Father, I ask you to rebuke the torment of the devil.
as, as, as we're transitioning, I feel the Lord is giving me some words for some people here, and I just want to share what the Lord says about the purpose hidden life. And I want to preface it by saying this. Satan wants to intercept God's messages to you. He does his best. In fact, Daniel's book shows us a quick picture of what happens in heaven when a word is released at the minute that we pray there are principalities and demons that actually hold back some of the words and the answers to our prayers uh, and then we have to stay on assignment as the angels that assist us come and bring those answers to prayer and, and, and direct us and give us the uh, revelations that we need so Satan desires to intercept that or delay it or distort it to cause us to give up hope for it. But uh, this morning, there's another principle that Satan also attacks a person immediately after a prophecy or a word is given to them. And I want to caution uh, some of you that received words this morning that will and that have already received words this morning. I want you to know that Satan will come and try to attack you to stop the momentum that God has just started in your life this morning. It is part of his, operate, operatus, uh, his operating motif. It's the way he operates. It's the way he does. He goes after the person who receives a word of prophecy right away to discourage them to think that that's not from God. And I want to tell you this morning, it is from God. And I'm going to step out there and I'm going to tell you, honestly, this is, I, I've never done this before. I, I never would put this type of pressure, but I'm telling you, I've heard the Holy Ghost say to say this this morning. And I'm going to tell you, Lily, the time is not now, but there is a time coming when you are going to plant a Metro Praise Church. God says that you are going to call people that were like yourselves stuck in a church. That don't even know who God is. That find out that there is real power in this gospel. I say that with such humility this morning to you. And I say that with such caution this morning. Because I want you to know that hell will be unleashed against your life before you plant this church. And I, I call forth intercessors in this church that, to an assignment this morning. To take a burden for this young lady, because first off, the taboo in the society is not a woman, did not have a woman pastor, first off. A woman, woman church planner, that's a whole other realm. But I believe that God's calling you to do this because God says you know the boundaries of religion. And God says you have been delivered and you have broken free. And God says this is not the time. But now is the time for your preparation. Submit yourself to the leadership of this church. Submit yourself to the intercession of this church. And keep yourself highly accountable, says the Lord to you this morning. So that when enemies of torment and depression come against you to try to discourage you, that you do not lose the vision. I want everybody in here to stretch forth your hands to this young lady. And I want you to just release what's in your guts. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for her life this morning, God. I thank you because, God, you're calling this woman of God to plant a church, God. Not at this time, but, God, in the coming years, God. And, Father, I believe that you want this word protected, God. I want you, Father, I ask you for a smoke screen, a glory cloud, God, to encompass her life. 
in Jesus' name, Father. Ikisu tate rama, ikusu tuti atera. Leri na makushati tase katika. Come on, pray with fervency. Rebuke the darkness. Rebuke the principality. Rebuke the power that comes against her life. In Jesus' name. The saints of God that are called in this church to also have that, they maybe not have said it publicly, but maybe somewhere inside of your spirit or inside of you, you feel also called to plant a church. Let me tell you what I hear that, I've just heard the devil's tactic. It's called the spirit of Absalom. And I want you, those of you that feel the calling in the ministry, that as you see this young lady has been given a prophetic word publicly, that you would not desire that God do it that way. If it's His assignment for you to receive a word like that, you receive it the way that God prescribes it. You do not need a man standing behind a pulpit. For whatever reason, God chose me to reveal this about her. And I would not allow the spirit of Absalom to even harass my life to destroy what God is going to do for, for, for not only for you, but for those that, around you that are called. To seize authority when you have no authority. So Father, I ask you to rebuke the spirit of Absalom, God. Let there be a double guard over our hearts, God, when the Absalom spirit tries to encompass us and lie to us and distract us and make us jealous. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lily, just stay humble before the Lord. You're not going to have to try to figure it all out. Just stay humble before the Lord. You're, you're on the track. Don't try to figure out how you're going to do it. God is going to bring you. He's got the training wheels on your life right now. They're, they're in place. You just keep walking the way you're walking. And in due season... You're going to reap if you faint not. Praise God. Those of you that were really specifically, you know who I'm, going to, who I'm talking to this morning. Those of you who were really uh, burdened by the Lord for a dream. When I talked about having a dream and starting to see things. Those of you that at that moment the Lord spoke to you and said... Uh, I also will use you in this manner. Just let me see your hand. Okay? Let me see it. Just lift it high and keep it up for a second. This, this is just because I want to publicly identify you to your pastor, but he can also know who he's... Who, what, you know, this is an awesome opportunity for a pastor to know, Lord, you're putting these tools in my church, and Lord, I want to be able to use them in a mighty way. Keep your hand lifted up. Come on. And Father, I just pray... In Jesus' name, Lord God, that in your time, in your way, God, 
that you've used the prophetic God in the way of dreams, God, to help this church to get to where it needs to be, God. Father, use these people, Lord God, to be an encouragement, to be a refreshing, to bring a river in the desert, Lord God. I bless them in Jesus' name. You put down your hands. So let's just tarry just a moment longer. We're almost done here, but just tarry just a moment longer. Keep engaged in God's presence. You know, I, I, I um, as your eyes are closed, we're engaged in God's presence. I just want you to know just how honored I felt last night at the baptismal service. Just being able to be in the waters with those of you that were being baptized and those that were surrounding the tank. I want to tell you that is truly an unforgettable moment in my ministry. But I wanted you to know that what was done last night echoes in eternity this, this day. And there is coming a time when you will be the one standing on the outside of that tank and you will be looking at people. You were doing the job that Sue Ellen was doing last night gazing into the water <laughs> and just admiring the beauty of the Lord in people's lives because you have disciples. You have brought people to a place in God where they're willing to make a public profession, commitment to the Lord. And Father, I just want to pray for those that were baptized last night. God, those that are on the fringes that want to be baptized. Lord God, I ask you, God, that you would begin to use this anointing God that we felt in there last night to bear much fruit for your kingdom's sake Lord Father I pray God for the day God where we look upon the waters Lord God and people after people Lord God soul after soul Lord God with similar testimonies God and even braver Lord God Bring you glory. Father, that's our only purpose in life. That's our only desire. That we bring you the glory, God. That we'd extend the rule and reign of your King, Lord Jesus, upon this earth, Lord. That we push back the kingdoms of darkness, Lord God. The kingdom of light prevails. Do not be hasty to go for the presence of the King. Amen? Amen. Real quickly, and I'll close with this. Grab the person's hand next to you. Just want the contact to be there for you. Just grab that person's hand and... With your eyes closed, your heart wide open, your ears wide open for heaven. I just want you to agree with that person that the Lord, in the power of His mind, is going to be revealed in their life. Father, we just agree together, God, that you, Jesus Christ, are going to be lifted high. And your evidence, God, your manifest evidence of transformation, life change, God. Speech change. You're going to talk differently, I'm telling you. You're going to talk with authority. 
I'm not just talking about words, but the way you say them are going to have such God confidence in them that you are determined to come hell or high water that the tenacity of the Holy Ghost tenacity of the Holy Ghost would break out on your life that the determination of the Lord would be the thing you desire most Father I bless this session God I thank you for what you've done but Lord I thank you for what you're going to do we just submit to you everything that's been said, prophesied, and done, God. If there be anything of the flesh, God, we ask you to let it wither now and die. And Father God, everything that is of the Spirit, let it catch growth, water, rain, and light, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.